Welcome to Art Meet Offspring. I'm Monica Flory. Here we talk about how to make art with kids around and mind the habits of creative people to figure out how to make parenting easier and more fun. Today, I'm in conversation with Tamanya Garza. Tamanya Garza is a director, producer, and educator who's worked with Power Street Theater, Wilma Theater, Philadelphia Theater Company, Interact Theater Company, Ursinus College, Philadelphia Women's Theater Festival, Directors Gathering, University of the Arts, and many others. Much of her work focuses on directing and developing new plays, especially those by playwrights who represent people of the global majority and artists from marginalized communities who have been largely excluded from predominantly white theater spaces. Her work to create an equitable and inclusive space for parents and caregivers has recently been featured alongside other changemakers in HowlRound and American Theater Magazine. Currently, Tamanya serves as the Parent Artist Advocacy League National Director of Community and Justice Initiatives, as well as the Chief Representative for Philadelphia. In 2020, she earned a Diversity and Inclusion Certificate from Cornell University to support the equity, diversity, and inclusion consulting work she has done for theaters and nonprofits for the past two decades. Our conversation starts in a moment. Tamanya Garza, welcome to Art Meet Offspring. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you're here. I would love to hear about the kind of art that you make. I am a theater director. I direct plays. So um, that is something I love and something that's been a passion for a really long time. It's how I ended up here in this beautiful city of Philadelphia. Um, uh, I also have in the past been a producer, um, a board member at theaters. I am currently on the advisory board of Power Street Theater Company, which is a collective run entirely by um, BIPOC and women here in the city, which is amazing. Um, and I also do digital media and um, social media, so digital marketing and things like that. Please tell us what you would like us to know about your family. Sure. Uh, my So I am the parent of a little one who is a preschooler. I don't um, really give out too many details about them just because I want them to, like, we had the choice to decide what they want out there on the internet. Um, so I won't show their name or anything like that, but they're a big Spider-Man fan, so I will probably refer to them as Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and I also have a spouse, and we live here in Philadelphia. My spouse is a teacher, so we're dealing with all of the going back to school stuff right now. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I have an awesome supportive extended family that's really amazing in here and all over the country. So that's great. How has it been with the, all the going back to school stuff and the, and the um, parenting <laughs> stuff during this time? <laughs> it's, I mean, as you can attest, I'm sure it's been crazy and it's been uh, stressful and it's been a brand new thing every single day. I feel like it is testing every parenting skill I have. Um, My little one is a preschooler, so they are not in um, virtual school or anything yet. But that has made me a homeschooler, which, you know, I didn't know much about. And even though my husband's a teacher, it has, um, you know, we're building a curriculum. We're trying to make sure that we get in all the numbers and the letters and writing our names and you know, all of that, being able to put our shoes and socks on by ourselves and all that. Um, And so that's been hard because that on top of all of the stress, we're um, in 
Philadelphia and Pennsylvania were going to school. We're starting to go back to school now has a hole and I don't know that we're a hundred percent ready. Mm. And so that's been really, really tough. I think the teachers are extraordinary and the administrators are doing their best, but it's been, it's been tough getting ready. And, uh, I will be really happy when we get back to a place where we're not putting our students in a position where they're going to have to go to school every day with the incredible amount of stress of thinking, could this hurt me or could this hurt my family members? So I would love to hear about how becoming a parent impacted your artistic work. Yes, that's such an excellent question. So um, before I became a parent, I've been directing for about um, 18 or 19 years in the city. Before I became a parent, I was doing a lot of um, producing. I was the president of the board of directors at um, Azuka Theater, which is here in the city. And so it was a lot of administration and trying to create opportunities for people um, with, you know, different levels of success, directing work by new playwrights, many of them women. So it was really exciting work and it was, um, but it was very rooted in capitalism and in a lot of ways, white supremacy, because it was just this very awful pace. It was, um, you know, always like, I'm the art warrior. I can go without sleep and without, you know, eating and I'll just run from thing to thing to thing. And I also have had a full-time job most of the time that was not theater related in um, marketing and social media. So just, it was a, it was a stressful time. It was an amazing time. I did a lot of work I'm really proud of. Um, but when I, you know, when I became pregnant, I really had to slow down just by the nature of my body having limits that I needed to recognize. And I was convinced that when I went back, I would probably have to take a long time off. You know, I wouldn't be able to direct for maybe five or six or seven years, um, just until I got myself rooted and until I got my little one sorted. And um, I was incredibly surprised that that was not the case. I was approached very early on, maybe in the first year after my little one was born, um, to direct two pieces. One was called Las Mujeres at Power Street Theater Company, which is uh, this incredible group of women sitting around a table, ghosts of these incredible women like Rita Hayworth and Frida Kahlo and all these other people, um, Sotwana and all of these incredible people just having a conversation with this woman about her life and about motherhood and also cry it out which is kind of famous ish across the country it's a newer play um, by molly smith metzler who also wrote for shameless the movie i mean the sh i'm sorry the tv show so um it it was really incredible because i was approached to do these plays and i didn't feel ready i was like there's no way you'll be able to accommodate me i'm still nursing i'm still you know, my body's not really ready to go back to that pace. Um, and the an incredible friend named Allison Heishman, who um, was in charge newly of some Go Theater at the time, came to me and said, okay, but this play cried out, if, if you wanted to do it, what would you need? And so I made up this ridiculous laundry list. I, I don't want to rehearse for six days. I don't want to rehearse nine to five. I don't, you know, I, I want to have ability to nurse. I want to have the ability to have kids with us when, when we need that. I want parents who are not me to be able to be on, you know, on the, in the rehearsal. And that was really tough because um, making that list, I was like, this will never happen. This is my friend from college, one of my oldest friends, one of the most respectful, inclusive people I know. I was like, but she won't be able to make this possible. And um, she did with the help of the Parent Artist Advocacy League. She got a, a grant from them, a matching grant. 
And we were able to actually do all these things. We cut down our rehearsals to five days a week. We were able to make parent-inclusive scheduling. We were able to have people, and as you know, Monica, because you were the assistant director on that incredible production, um, we were able to have kids in the room during 10 out of 12s and during tech, um, and not in the room, in a childcare room off to the side, but in the space. We were able to have lunches with them. Um, we were, and we were able to help with um, caregiving grants. And so uh, I think the way it changed me was, A, it got me involved with PAL. I am now the um, Director of Community and Justice Initiatives for PAL National. PAL is a resource hub for um, parents and for supportive uh, performing arts venues, dance, theater, things like that. Uh, and we, um, And it also, it showed me that this way we've been taught that theater has to exist is not true, is not real, is again rooted in white supremacy, rooted in capitalism, rooted in patriarchy. And um, the only way to break that mold was to ask bigger and to dream, you know, better. And by doing that, I, I sort of opened this door. I've been asked to direct a lot of plays now that are focused on motherhood and focused on the BIPOC motherhood experience. Um, so I know that was a long answer to a short question, but it was... Um, having some really, really smart, incredible people around me, like Rachel Spencer Hewitt, who was the founder of PAL, and Gabby Sanchez, and the whole collective at Power Street, and the incredible people like Alison Heisman and Simpatico, brought me back in a way that really helped me reimagine what theater was and what directing was. And so instead of dropping out completely and disappearing, it helped me sort of rebuild it from the ground up and abandon all the practices that I think were really abusive before. That is beautiful. And I, <laughs> I love that. I love that idea of um, being an art warrior. Was that the first time that you had been asked in a situation as a director, like, what would you need to make this project happen? Um, I, I do. I think it was the first time I now I had worked with Allison in the past. She and I, uh, as I said, are very good friends and we go way back. We went to school together. So we've known each other a long time. She and I have produced together. And um, part of that producing was directing. So I think we always worked together a long time, but I cannot think of a time when anyone had ever asked me that question. And I think it was not only deeply rooted in Allison's vision of sort of imagining a, a better theater community, not in that we don't have great people in it, but that we care more for them. But I think it was also, and she's an incredible visionary leader. And, you know, if you can work with her or anyone can work with her, they should. But um, I, I think it is the first time because I think we were really starting to, as a community, understand that what we were doing was not sustainable. It was um, really hurting the most marginalized members of our community who are often BIPOC and people who are disabled and people who are not neurotypical and, you know, people who are trans, people who are just not in the center of the power structure. And um, I, I think so it was a, a move with the community, but I think also personally, Allison watching my career and me watching hers, they accelerated at different paces and we had to take on different burdens. And often a burden I had to take on was making a space better because it was incredibly abusive to people like me. And I think she wanted to take on some of that as an ally. Um, and Allison is a white woman. So as a, as someone who had access to different resources and power than I did, um, and so she was trying to make space for me as a person, but I think she was also trying to make space for people who had been very kept out 
of the decision making and of the directing and of things like that. So I think that um, I think I think it was both. It was the first time, but I think it was this beautiful community movement and also this beautiful um, personal desire to make you know space for directors who are often silenced or kept out of a room just because a we can't meet the horrendous schedule or we can't find childcare you know and so I think it was kind of an awakening for both of us it was really beautiful. Tanya, could you talk a bit about um, any of the initiatives with PAL of, I know that there's so much that PAL does, so it may be hard to encapsulate, but perhaps you could give us one or two things that the organization is doing to change the climate for parent artists. Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the... um... One of the first things that comes to mind, so the Parent Artist Advocacy League was started just a few years ago, as I said, sort of around the time Cried Out, uh, I, we directed Cried Out together, um, by Rachel Spencer Hewitt because, and I don't want to at all speak for her, but I've, I've been on many panels with her, and one thing she says is she did not trust the community or the theater community with her body because she had experienced some things that were terrible, and even up to and through her pregnancy, people saying, you know, don't talk about your pregnancy, don't talk about your family, um, which is a message I think many of us got. Sort of, once you become a parent, that's a secret if you want to keep working. Um, and so her reaction to that was to speak as loudly as she could and to um, to understand the law better, to help educate people to understand the law better of not only what our rights are as, as artists, but also what uh, organizations are responsible to provide us under the law. So uh, something we just we just debuted, which is super exciting, is called the um, PAL Handbook of Best Practices. And it's years of putting legal language together, back pra- trying out best practices in theaters, um, trying to help supportive organizations that say, oh, I don't have a budget. How can I, you know, come and meet parents halfway or caregivers halfway? So that's on our website right now, PAL Theater. So P-A-A-L Theater, you know, theaterre.com. Um, and that's really, it's incredible, comprehensive absolutely free to access resource that I think everyone should check out. Because uh, even if you're doing a great job now, you know, there's there's probably things in there that you haven't personally run into. Um, we have childcare grants. So as I was talking about for different productions, and right now we have emergency grants as well related to COVID because so many productions are shut down, but um, anyone can apply. Uh, there, there are many different people within the organization who are from many different communities. So the people who are awarded the grants often reflect that. Um, we have, uh, the coming up in May, 2021, we have the Black Motherhood and Parenting New Play Festival, which we're incredibly excited about. Um, so that's a new initiative and, and we have lots of other resources again, check out the website, but it's just about, um, Oh, one more that I wanted to mention. We offer HR assistance. So an artist can come and get sort of a consult with an HR professional. if They have a very specific question and same with organizations. They can get a short consult. We also offer training. We offer sensitivity training. So it's, it's a desire to change the entire organization from within and also from without. So recognizing that there are forces that we can't control in the world, but that impact our community and also empowering or giving information to help people feel more secure um, so that when they do have to go in and ask about caregiving and make sure that they have the accommodations they need to work as they deserve, as everyone deserves, um, they are backed up by the paperwork and the legal language that they need. And they know what to ask for. Like when I first started, I, I wouldn't have known 
terms like caregiving plan. I need a caregiving plan or can I have a, you know, a separate nursing station or anything like that. And um, now those are all in there, you know, letters that you need to give to a healthcare provider to help you get the accommodations and things like that you need. So, um, so yeah, those are the things that are top of mind right now. Congratulations and thank you on behalf of everyone for <laughs> all the work you all are doing with PAL, which is really incredible. How has being an artist shaped your parenting? Uh, wow, that's a really excellent question. I think, I mean, I think artists, as you know, and I'm sure many of us who worked in the arts know, we're a very special kind of people. We're incredibly uh, creative and we're incredibly, uh, in a lot of ways, we are world builders. You know, every time we create a production, we're imagining something that doesn't exist or only exists sort of in bare bones on the page. So I think we have this incredible ability to be flexible and to be funny and to be silly and tonight, you know, to take those parts of ourselves that are the most vulnerable and share them in a way that's really, um, that's really incredible. So I think that being an artist has given me a lot of tools, especially now in, in the pandemic, to navigate all those quick turns and all the things that are incredibly surprising about parenting. I think it's given me an incredible amount of empathy um, because, again, especially now as we're all going through this thing that no one could have anticipated, um, it's it's giving me a lot of the tools to, you know, I, a lot of kids are regressing right now. So they're losing abilities that they had or, sh- or should have, you know, in quotes at this age. So they're, they're bedwetting or they're refusing to read or they, you know, are, are, won't, won't, don't want their parents out of their sight. And I think as, you know, my little one, as Spider-Man goes through their regression issues, which are none of those, but which are powerful, um, I think it's given me this ability to sort of look at the situation and say, instead of say, like, you're not doing what I want, say, how can I help you? Like, how can I give you more of what you need? What has what you need? How has it changed? How can I understand you a little better? And I have these really interesting processing conversations that kind of feel like postmortems of a production sometimes with her. Like, hey, that moment didn't go well for either of us. <laughs> Mommy didn't do well. You, you know, you needed something I wasn't giving you. Like, how do we fix that next time? And it's, again, it's it's just this very analytical way of sort of saying, like, we built this world. It didn't go just how we wanted. How do we build it better next time? And to be excited about that. Not to sort of be angry or frustrated or too hard on myself or, you know, on on my little one. But just to sort of... Be incredibly human and empathetic together and vulnerable together. I feel like not my parents specifically, but people of my parents' generation were often taught that they shouldn't be vulnerable around kids. Like they should be in charge and they should be the authority and that's it. Buck stops with them. And I feel like we're trying to do that a little differently in my family and in other families Um, just because we have more tools and we have a better understanding and um, our economic situations are different and you know, women have more rights than they once did. So, uh, yeah, so I think there's that too, that we're, we're, I I look at it as an exercise of reimagining instead of a failure, because it's so easy to feel like a failure as a parent right now. And it's so easy to feel like you don't have access to any of the things, like we can't go to the zoo, and we can't go to the park, and we can't go to all these places. So how do we build those worlds inside of our house? And we do, we build pillow forts, or we build worlds on the ground, or we build giant Lego carnivals. Um, And I, you know, my artist brain 
gives us really my mom was an incredibly creative parent like she could entertain any child with like a cup and a paper clip like she's incredible <laughs> so I feel like you know that sort of fed me as an artist too like you know my spider-man will have some sort of breakdown and I'm like what do I have I have a phone charger I have a calculator I have my fring diploma like how do we make this into some fun game um and I think that's unique to artists in a lot of ways like we can think on our feet and come up with those solutions in ways that feel really satisfying and really fun Oh, I love that. I love the idea, too, of sort of unpacking something after it happens with your kid. That is such a beautiful idea. I don't think we do enough of that in our house. And I think that is a really wonderful idea. Yeah. I, and I think that came from, I, um, I'm a military brat. Both of my parents were in the military. So I think that when you're in the military, I was saying this to someone the other day, you're your family, especially if you move all over the world, or if you had a parent who was deployed, my father went to war when I was 10 um, and came back safe, but, you know, was gone for quite some time. I think you sort of have to look at each other as team members and not just family members because you all have this huge, scary goal to move towards sometimes. Um, and so I, I think that came, again, a lot from not just my parents, but how they taught me to navigate the world. So to sort of say, like, I need a lot from you right now, kid. I'm going to ask you something that you shouldn't be asked. And I think that's how we are with COVID now, too. And um, since I'm asking that of you, I'm going to treat you with a lot more dignity and agency in adulthood in a way that's still safe for you um, because we have to do this together. And and I love sharing that with, with Spider-Man, my little one now, because um, I think it's it's teaching them to stick up for themselves and it's teaching them to speak on their feelings and it's teaching them that, like, I'm going to mess up. Like there are no auspices about mommy and daddy are perfect. Like <laughs> not a thing. So, you know, Spider-Man feels comfortable coming to me and saying like, mommy, that wasn't kind. What you did wasn't kind. Or mommy, you didn't hear me right now. I was saying I was scared and you thought I was just being naughty. And I'm like, you're right. Let's talk about that. So I love giving them, you know, my little one, those tools. Um, because I also think that will keep them safer in just the world. We are so often taught as children to be, you know, seen and not heard. And I think that's a, a horrible lesson to have to unlearn later. So I don't want that for Spider-Man. That's really neat, your perspective of um, this experience that so many of us are having for the first time in this certain way during COVID that that idea of like family as team, family, you know, that maybe we had to some extent before, but is really very amplified during COVID. So as a parent artist, as a very busy human being, how <laughs> do you manage to get your work done? Uh, do I manage to get my work done? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I think it's a constant struggle. I think especially now because in COVID times, um, kids just need so much more because we are their everything. We're their toys. We're their friends. We're their you know, teachers, um, I think it's, it's always a balancing act. It's always a struggle. Um, but I think, uh, I'm a night owl, so I do a lot of it at night. Um, I've had zoom calls at like consensually, of course, with everyone at like 10 o'clock at <laughs> night or, you know, 11 o'clock at night, um, other parents usually. So I think finding a time and not being tied to the nine to five, cause that just doesn't exist like it used to. Um, I think making it a game with with my little one, I think works sometimes. Like I'll get my computer out and um, in, like many theater parents, I do voices pretty well. So I'm all, my little one's always like, oh, can we play, you know, Teen Titans Go or can we play <laughs> this or can we play that? 
Um, so I'll sort of say like, oh, I'm a character who's on their computer right now, you know, and did it. So that works sometimes. Um, and, and, and then sometimes like I just took an art equity, um, training on diversity the other day and it was just four hours on two days where I could not hang out with my little one. And that was super tough. And I wasn't sure they were going to be prepared for it, but I sort of explained it ahead of time. I tried to make it a fun adventure. So I gave them a little bento box, which was just a little bunch of little tiny containers of food. And I was like, you can choose to eat whatever you want. You can, you know, do whatever order you want. So they were excited about that. Um, and then I sort of angled the camera in a way where they had a little spot next to me and they would bring me things they needed me to address. So they would bring me like pancakes they made out of Play-Doh or they would bring me something they broke or in, and I would sort of say like, okay, I will get to that as soon as I can turn my camera off. Um, and, and so I think just coming to an understanding with my little one that like, I have to work, mommy has to work. It's not always going to make everyone happy. Um, but, you know, and but I also explained to, to Spider-Man that, like, their independence is something they should be growing right now. And it's hard. Like, they would normally be away from mommy a lot more. So making it sort of an assignment for them, too. Like, wh- how do we how do we do independence today? Like, how does that look? Like, what do we need to learn about independence? What questions do you have? And understanding it's going to... It's, go- it's not always going to work out. Like, during my training, there was a few times where there were emergencies... They were like water got poured on the dog emergencies, but like they were emergencies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just explained ahead of time. I was like, I art equity as someone who is inclusive. I expect that you will understand that, you know, my child is not an interruption. They are a really integral part of my life. So when I need to address that, I need to address that. And I'm not going to explain it and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'll just let you know what's happening. So I think to having that conversation with the people you're working with ahead of time, just sort of saying, again, like, this is not an interruption. This is not an extra add-on. This is something that I need to address because there is no safe childcare right now. Um, and your understanding is appreciated and kind of leaving it at that and answering any questions they have. So it's tough, but it gets done. And it's a lot of reading on my phone at two in the morning. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's working. And to my little one's credit, they're really trying to be as helpful as they can. And, you know, um, they make me like little post-it note, like happy faces, like you're doing a good job, mommy, and stuff like that too. So, you know, they, they understand it's important and they're really trying. Um, but sometimes we just have to stop and like, you know, play. My my little one loves Nailed It, which is about people baking terribly on Netflix. <laughs> so sometimes we just have to make some terrible baking out of play and that's just what we have to do. So. <laughs> I think you have given us a ton of amazing parenting hacks. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share? Anything that makes your life as a parent easier or more more fun? Uh, A few things. I mean, I think setting yourself up for success a little bit the night before. My my father, um, who recently passed, being in the military, he was always like, get your clothes ready the night before, get you in. That's like not my life. Um, but I would, I'll make these little shoe boxes. My mom got me this cool book. It's like 250 things you can do with a toddler and I'll make a little shoe box. And if I'm really having a moment where I need to like take a call or something, I, I give my little one a shoe box and it's got like cotton balls or popsicle sticks or whatever, but it's a whole activity they can manage on their own. Um, uh, video calls are a big thing we've been using lately because my family is sort of all over the country. Um, I'll, I'll set up in advance and sort of say like mom or whomever can I can I have my little one call you for like 20 or 30 minutes and can you all sing songs or or whatever? Um, and that has been surprisingly helpful. And I think variety is something that's really missing for kids right now. So it makes it feel like they're hanging out with other people. 
um, you know, even if they can't see them in person. Um, that, uh, I think practicing, um, not just things like meditation, but mindfulness in terms of being, finding the good, like at the end of every day, right before we go to sleep, my whole family sort of sits down and say like, what was your favorite part of the day? And in some days it's really hard to find a favorite part of the day, but I think it helps us refocus on like, no matter how bad this day was, there's one good thing. And that comes from my mom. My mom is a voracious reader, watches every movie ever made. And most of them, you know, many movies are terrible. And she's always like, find one thing that was good. Like, was the lighting good? Or was the casting good? Or was, and, and I think that's part of like how I became a director also. Um, but I think, you know, picking apart things like that and, and focusing on what nice good things you want to take away from it, I think is really important. Um, and, and I think really acknowledging when we're having a rough go. I think I was taught when I was younger, again, my military family, like move through it, move through it, move through it. Um, and sometimes with, with my little one with Spider-Man, we just have to sort of sit and go like, you know, we, we feel heavy today. This is not a fun day. Oh, you know, we tried something and it didn't work. And I think so acknowledging that because especially I, I'm um, also an equity, diversity and inclusion trainer um, or, or consultant um, and that is recent, but that is work I have been doing in predominantly white institutions for years. And I think that, um, you know, acknowledging failure or not, or refusing to acknowledge failure is how do we sort of keep white supremacy in place. So I think getting in the habit of acknowledging failure and, and making talking about it, even interesting maybe, you know, like digging into why did it happen? How did it happen? Um, so yeah, I think those are all tools that have been really helpful. Getting outdoors. I just bought my little one. Um, their first pair of cleats, and I was a big athlete, so I was so excited about it. But, um, yeah, finding reasons to get outdoors where it's safe and where we can um, has has also changed their outlook and changed their ability to handle the, the toughness of it all. So I think those are my hacks. <laughs> those are great hacks. <laughs> There's a lot there. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Tamanya, is there anything that... Um, is there anything else that's on your mind about being a parent artist or anything that you're, any projects that are close to your heart right now that we haven't talked about yet that you would, that you would like to talk about? Um, uh, oh, I have lots of projects that are close to my heart right now. I think that, uh, I think that they're, because they don't really have dates yet, I don't want to talk about them and sort of say like, oh, that's coming. But um, I am signed up to, to direct some projects that focus specifically on motherhood and Latinx motherhood. I am of Mexican descent, so I think that's really exciting. Um, so often in the BIPOC conversation, we get homogenized communities of color or, or global majority communities. I'm trying to teach myself to say that to come from a place of, um, not from a place of scarcity. So I think that uh, let's, you know, continue, the way we're having this awakening where we're continuing to find space for communities that have been ignored in silence for a long time is really exciting. So I have a few projects like that that are unannounced, but that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, I think that uh, finding community has been really important for me. So thank you for this space and for others like it. Um, I was not one of those artists who was like, I'm going to create, create, create in this space because obviously parenting, it takes so much out of you that that's really difficult. So I think that um, I was, I was more resting and learning and, and restoring. So I think if you're one of those, I'm with you. I see you, you're doing great. Um, and, and, you know, just move at your own pace, 
But I think finding community, finding Zoom calls or finding, you know, places where people can safely like emails and things like that. And and you and I, Monica, have had this really interesting email chain going back and forth. So I think um, where you can find community, embrace it, even if it wasn't something you may have done beforehand. Um, and I think uh, in terms of being a parent artist, um, you know, but find find the things about you about you and about this process that you feel like you can safely record and document because I feel like this is such a strange time in history and so many of us are wanting to not I don't know not embrace it and and it's a part of who we are so I'm creating those records and journal entries and taking pictures and things like that um for my little one because I think like I remember when my father went to went to war um it was really hard to take pictures. It was really hard to laugh. It was really hard to do anything. But my mother sort of made us documented in this way. And when I look back now, it helps me remember not just how hard it was, but that we got through it. So I think that, you know, don't don't turn away from the camera. Like, don't, if you want to record a little bit, do. Because I think the kids who have lived through this and the parents too, um, it's, it's huge and it will be something that we will, our memory will try to erase, I think. So in the moment, if you can record it, do. Hmm. Tamania Garza, thank you so much for talking with us today. This was such a great conversation and thank you for sharing all these tips and tricks and, and ideas. Thank you, Monica. This has been incredible. And you are such, I've said this to you before, you're such a um, connector. You're such a community builder. You're someone that, that creates space for voices beyond just yours. And so thank you for that. And thank you for um, for reminding us that we're still out there. I feel like a lot of times I'm like yelling into the void and, you know, connecting and hearing the other podcasts and being part of this podcast has been incredibly, incredibly meaningful to me. So thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> read more about Tamanya Garza's work at P-A-A-L theater, that's theater with an R-E, dot com. Special thanks for this episode go to Allison Heishman, Carrie Milch, and Spencer Lipback. Our music is by Scott Gratton. Thanks for tuning in to Art Meet Offspring, where parents get to make serious art, creatives get to be great parents, and everyone is both tired and loved. I'm Monica Flory, and I'll see you next time.